Hello and welcome to the Celeste Stein Show. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein, and here on the show, we're going to offer you some news you can use, self-help topics, and entertainment. I hope you will like, share, and subscribe to my channels here on BBS Radio and YouTube. Today, we are taking a bird's eye view of today's job market. You know, a lot of changes are rapidly taking place, and some people might not be ready for what's coming. And in fact, many jobs will likely be replaced by artificial intelligence sooner than you think. To find out how you can get the upper hand on today's job market, we have talent acquisition consultant, Nate Wiley, joining us here today. Nate has a very diverse background in startup and big tech environments. His keen focus on strategic growth and leadership enables him to advise business leaders on how to scale their teams by implementing efficient talent acquisition systems and processes. Described by his peers as a results-driven thought leader, Nate is multifaceted in his experience and dedication to his field. This makes him an invaluable voice in the talent acquisition sphere. Nate, we are thrilled you were able to join us today. Thanks so much for, for being here. Thank you for the invite, Dr. Stein. I'm glad to be here. Yes, well, I certainly would like to begin by asking you to give us some insight on some of the changes that you're kind of seeing taking place within the workforce that might impact getting a job or moving up the ranks even in a company? Yeah, for sure. I think the uh, the first piece of information I'll share is, in my experience, because what I do is I, I oftentimes meet with uh, different job seekers just to try to help them navigate uh, their careers a little bit better. And across the board, it does seem to be taking longer uh, to find employment, um, especially if you were unfortunately laid off or, or impacted by a rift at an organization um, and you're looking to um, try to get back employed with a, a role in a similar in industry or uh, company. It, it seems that the, the volume of applications you have to submit are uh, significantly higher than, than what they were once before. And that's um, particularly challenging for individuals who may have been with a company for quite a bit of time and are a little rusty, for lack of a better term, with interviewing and, and navigating uh, the job market. They, they just seem to be a little bit more, um, uh, I don't want to say uh, discouraged, I guess is, is the best word for it, by the, the lack of responses they may receive uh, from companies. Um, so that would be my first insight. Like it's going to take you uh, more applications uh, to land a, a position, uh, particularly. And to kind of uh, piggyback off of that, a lot of the success I'm seeing from individuals who have been looking for work uh, for quite a bit of time seems to come from them being able to leverage their network and finding someone who can personally introduce them to a hiring manager or recruiter or some decision maker at a company. Uh, essentially, I call it skipping the line. Um, taking your your application out of the stack of hundreds, placing it right on someone's desk so they can view it uh, and, and hopefully bring you in for an interview and you enter the process that way. 
Yeah. Well, you mentioned, you know, you may have to submit quite a few more resumes than you would have in the past. How many resumes are we talking here? Because, (laughs) you know, you kind of wonder now, um, it is so different. Um, And then and then I have another follow up question to that. But I'll let you answer that one first. It does vary by uh, the role that you're applying to, like what your specific skill set is, what industry you operate in, um, but it's it's not uncommon across the board. Definitely, um, easily a hundred plus applications. Um, and and what I try to tell individuals, you want to uh, almost create like a tier system for these applications. There are going to be some roles you apply to um, that you're very well qualified for. Um, that you feel like your your experience, your background, the the salary, all of that is well aligned. You want to kind of star or or asterisk those applications as ones that you consistently follow up with and make sure that you're trying your best to get in front of people um, so that you can tell your story um, the way I like to put it. Then there are going to be those applications where you're you're just shooting your shot. Um, You you see the role. It it may not be exactly aligned. You may have, you know, 70 percent of the qualifications that they're looking for. The pay may not quite be what you want, but you you do need a job. So you would accept a, a pay cut if you have to. Um, those are uh, positions that maybe aren't quite quite highly as ranked on your list, uh, but still are opportunities um, that you would explore if if um, if they did respond to your application. But it's is is significantly up there, and that's what I tell a lot of individuals who uh, come to me and say, "Hey, I've applied to thirty, forty uh, jobs. I'm not hearing anything back." After we review their resume and see are they actually submitting a a strong resume that's tailored for that particular position or uh, the particular type of roles that they're looking for, um, I didn't tell them they just have to keep going. Um, it's it's one of those situations where the the market is. Um, a bit saturated with talent right now due to a lot of layoffs and, and just the changes that have taken place over the last couple of years. And so you do have to be a little bit more creative and a little bit more persistent these days. Um, a lot of companies are, are are being, you know, inundated with with applications. And, and so you you really can't say, well, I'm tired of applying. This is getting you know frustrating because that then you're just taking yourself out of the race altogether. Right. Well, I sat in on a seminar uh, a couple of years ago for a group of uh, students and just listening uh, to that, um, the person who came was uh, really, really good. And and she was telling the students that um, the use of keywords and even formatting on the resume are really important. What would you say about you know, the the keywords you can use to make your resume stand out and explaining, you know, how um, your resume might not even be seen these days without that. And, <laughs> and you know, how you how you put it together, uh, the type of uh, format you might save it in, you know, talking like Word or pages or saving it as a PDF file. Can you address that? Yeah, um, I'll start with the last thing first. I usually recommend a PDF. Just because um, I've been on the the backside of these processes uh, for several years, and there's usually not an issue with PDFs coming through uh, the applicant tracking system. When you submit it in a Word doc or DocX or Pages, sometimes the formatting does get uh, a little funky. Um, whether it's the spacing, or there's been times I've seen it come through, and for whatever reason, you know, all of the the bullet points or lines are are now vertical, and it's 
I, I can't explain why it happens, um, but there have been times I've had to go back and ask candidates, can you submit a uh, your resume again in a different format? It didn't come through. Yeah. Um, as far as the actual format of it and any sort of keywords, I recommend individuals are, um, if not always, because it can get a little bit tedious, but most of the time using the actual job description to craft their resume. Um, you want to use the same uh, verbiage and the same uh, terms that that company is using, because that's what's going to resonate with them. There are oftentimes um, companies may speak different languages, but saying the same thing, if that makes sense. Right. And so they may call a role X, whereas at your company is called Y. Um, when you're doing your resume to apply for that company, you need to call it X um, so that they can easily recognize this person is doing what we need this person to do at our organization. Um, and then the most important part of, of formatting a resume, in my opinion, is making sure that you're putting the most uh, pertinent information at the very top. Um, recruiters do such not is, spend a lot of such time. Is. Such as, so usually on a job description, the top three to four bullets under the responsibilities and then the top three to four bullets under the actual required experience or qualifications are going to be what's most important uh, to that organization as far as what they're looking for in candidates. And so you want to make sure that you are um, sort of responding to that when you submit your resume. So I usually tell people it should be your your name, your contact information, and then a qualification summary in bullet format that speak directly to that role. Um, so if they're looking for an accounting professional with advanced Excel skills, um, you know, no more than, excuse me, no less than three plus years of experience, then that's honestly what your first bullet should say. Like you should speak to that because then that's going to catch that recruiters or that, res um, excuse me, that hiring manager's attention. Okay, this person's already meeting the qualifications. Let me continue to read on. When a recruiter or or someone who's reviewing resumes, look at your your resume and the the top half of it is just fluff. And it's not giving me what I need. I'm going to move on to the next one because, as I just mentioned, uh, there are hundreds of applications and, and resumes to go through. I can't spend two minutes on each one trying to dig out the the details. And so I need you to make it easy for me and, and put it up top. Right. Yeah, that's uh, that's common. Even, you know, in, in a lot of things that we deal with in everyday life, it's good to have the most important information at the top, even when you're watching your basic TV shows, you know, they have to have that thing in the beginning to grab you and pull your attention uh, in to that particular show because there's so many choices nowadays. Right. You know, you'll you'll be lost to your phone or your tablet or another device, right? Um, I wanted to um, also ask, are there specific tips or strategies that you would also give to a candidate that you think would really make them stand out to a hiring manager? That's a good one. And it, again, it's going to vary just depending on um, the size of an organization, the type of industry. Um, but to be able to stand out, I would um, recommend individuals are able to, based on the job description and even doing some research around um, that organization, um, specifically maybe that business unit, like where are they as far as um, what they're trying to accomplish? Like, are they 
um, looking at the job description, you can usually tell, is this person needing to build something? Are they needing to come in and implement new processes? Uh, does this role seem to be a replacement um, of, of someone else? So maybe they need someone to come in and maybe fill a, a talent gap. Um, again, I'm a little bit more skilled in, in maybe identifying that because I've looked at so many job descriptions. Um, but I, I like to tell um job seekers who are aggressively looking, like find you a, a recruiting partner who can maybe help you navigate this a little bit more. But the way you'll be able to stand out is to be able to show on your resume how you've solved the problem that that company is is needing to solve, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so not that just I check boxes, but I have actual you know, real job world application of what you're needing done here. Um, you You need me to fix this problem, I've already fixed it, um, and I and it, it went successfully. And so, the more you can convey that on your resume, especially if you can use any sort of data or metrics or actual tangible proof, is going to make you stand out a little bit more versus the resume that reads like a checklist. Like I've I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Versus I had a successful project completion of this that saved the company, you know, one hundred thirty thousand dollars in spend like that. Is going to stand out a lot more than someone that says, I you know, reconciled our accounts. Um, that's that's not telling me much. You know, that's what we expect you to do in accounting. But for you to say I caught errors or I was able to reduce spend or I, I found discounts and savings from our vendors, though, that's going a little bit above and beyond. And, and you're showing me that you actually made an impact at that organization versus just filling the seat. Yeah, what a great point. Uh, I, I think that's very useful advice for our listeners. One other thing, I'm about to say a dirty word, age <laughs> discrimination. Now, <laughs> with, or I say, should I say dirty words? <laughs> but age <laughs> discrimination, is this something that um, you're, we're seeing more or less of right now because of what has happened after COVID? Um, a lot of people weren't working. Um, and I think maybe some companies did want to bring more experienced workers back and that kind of thing. What are you seeing? So to start, I think um, discrimination is real. Um, not, I mean, not just age. Um, I, I like to uh, live in reality. Um, yeah. I, don't, I don't care what a, a mission statement may say about a company or a vision um, or or whatever their DEI practices are, all that, all that stuff is is great. Um, a lot of it is is performative and, and for optics' sake. A company is is made up of of humans and individuals, and and we all have our biases. Um, so it it really just depends on you know who you're involved with at an organization. Whether um, there could be some some case of discrimination. Uh, but just to clarify, are you saying that um, companies are wanting more experienced individuals, and the age discrimination is coming from Younger people, or vice versa, whereas well, I, individuals... I, I, it could be either. I'm just curious. What are you, you know? Are you seeing any new trends uh, in terms of the the uh, potential discrimination there? That uh, you know, I know a lot of things have changed, <laughs> mm-hmm. so it's it's sort of a, a new and uh, open <laughs> playing field, if you will. So I'm just kind of uh, wanting to talk about what people should be kind of looking out for, because if you don't really realize there might be an issue or how something has changed, it's hard to kind of plug into it and roll with it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And and you're right. I think the job market um, 
especially since COVID has been just shaken up um, a, a bit. And again, I would sort of anchor on, I really think it depends on what industry you're in. Um, more traditional companies, um, just just off the top of mind, because I'm working on a few roles that are for like a utility company or um, oil and gas, something like that. I don't necessarily see um, age discrimination in the sense of, um, you know, the the boomer generation being um, discriminated against. It, it seems like those individuals have been in those industries all of their career going on 20, 30 years. And so like their experience is is welcome. Uh, they want someone who, who can kind of, who's been navigating that space for a while. Now, if you flip that and you put someone um, from the boomer generation or Gen X try to go to like a tech startup, that's where I probably see it a little bit more uh, just because tech startups are um, usually innately very agile, want to move very quickly using, you know, technology that just dropped last week. Um, there, there, there are a lot of different applications and platforms that um, a lot of tech companies use, like your your Slacks, your Notion, things like that, that I see a lot of um, just older people just aren't familiar with. Um, right. And so I think there is some hesitancy for tech startups to, to hire individuals that may be a little bit more senior. Um, and then I think they're also thinking about runway of these folks and, you know, how how long would they have that person actually as a team member um, versus getting someone a little bit younger that they can grow and develop and, and hopefully be a, more of a, a long term uh, employee at that organization. So it, it really does vary by industry. Again, like I think maybe like finance, your your more traditional industries. Um I don't think they discriminate as much as maybe like your your more tech startup. You got to think a lot of these founders of tech startups are you know mid to late twenties, uh, early thirties, and so it's it's, it's kind of like it's it, and then they're usually hiring their peer groups, like people they went to college with, people they worked with at previous companies, and so a lot of the um, the early teams for for these tech companies are. Uh, around the same age because that's who they've been interacting with that's who they trust that's who they know uh, and they just go directly to them when they they have a position to fill right one thing I noticed and I've I've done some hiring uh, myself or helped in assisting with that process uh, especially even in in the last role that I I held Um, I think that a lot of uh, more experienced workers might not be familiar with some of the newer software platforms too. You know how you Mm -hmm. were talking about the keywords. I remember um, seeing one that you like put the job description in on one side and then you upload your resume on the other and it can pull those (laughs) keywords like from Mm -hmm. the job description actually into your resume and, and fix it up. And I know, um, that may weed a lot of people out. Are you familiar with uh, 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 those types of programs that people might use? You want to? We were talking tips. Are there any that you would recommend that uh, that people use? Now, are you talking about on the job seeker side or on the uh, employee job side? Seeker. Yeah, yeah, that, that yeah. They're using for you know to uh, match up those keywords. You know, just to give them that edge. You know, there are uh, quite a few um, AI resume tools on the market right now that that'll do that for you for free. Um, And then also you can do it with uh, chat GPT as well. Um, You can easily create a prompt in chat GPT that says, 
know, rewrite this resume, copy and paste the entire resume to fit this job description and then copy and paste that job description. And it'll rewrite you a completely different resume that matches that role. Um, and, and that's why I tell people like it's I'm not going to say it's not um, there are no excuses these days, but yeah. A resume isn't a blocker anymore. Um, like I said, I I've I've been in recruiting now for about twelve years, and so I I know how daunting of a task it is to update a resume. It's almost like writing a paper. Um, right. now, literally, ChatGPT can spit one out in seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's that's amazing. why I said, like, right. So <laughs> why don't you why don't you use that to your advantage to make sure that you're submitting a a tailored resume each time? Um, I I think I try to tell people. You you get out what you put in, right? Like everyone wants to create one resume and then just just shoot it out to everybody. And I'm like that, you know. If you do that enough times, something will stick, like it'll land. But if you want to take more more quality shots, um, I definitely recommend taking some time to get to better understand what that job description is asking, and then make sure that you're answering those questions with your resume. Like that's just going to stand out a little bit more and better your chances. Um, but it, it, it's a process. It's a process. It's tough. Um, yeah. But I like I like I to make sure individuals. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. I was going. I just like to remind individuals like you're. I think oftentimes we get caught up with you know I can do the work. I can do the job. Um, you know I just need the opportunity. I just need a chance, which I believe. I like, but you also got to look at it from their standpoint, from a business standpoint. Like if you're asking a company to essentially invest, you know, sixty, seventy, eighty, a hundred k in you. Put forth a little effort. Like, I mean, let, let's not just act like yeah. like this is volunteer work. Like you're 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 trying to, you know, make a living for yourself. So I think it's worth looking at your job. Um, excuse me, looking at your resume and making sure that you're at least submitting a quality resume. Yeah. What a great point. You know, sometimes I think people who've been doing something something a very long time, it's like, ah, oh, you know, it's right. <laughs> They don't want to necessarily invest that time because it's like, ah, I know how to do this, you know, but that's the nature of the business, you know, and I've actually seen being on the hiring end of things. I've seen where someone maybe really didn't have the experience, but they wrote a good resume, man, Mm. and they were able to get the job, but really probably couldn't do the job because maybe they had somebody more experienced actually helping them with that resume. But anyway, I have seen that. (laughs) But um, there are multiple ways to be say, successful. You know, what's that? I said there are, are multiple paths to success. Um, and I again, I like to live in reality. There, there are people out there who are great at interviewing um, that suck on the job, um, but they they continue to get quality work because they are really good at interviewing. Like they're charming. They know how to answer questions. Uh, they know how to pivot off of questions that maybe they don't have great responses to. Um, they do a good job of building rapport quickly and making a good connection. Um, and people like that. Um, I, I, like I said, I've been at this for a while. And at the end of the day, a lot of companies, a lot of people still are going to hire you if they like you. Like if I enjoyed that conversation with that person, that's somebody I want working for me. Um, right. And so they, those people tend to stay employed and then they struggle a little bit when they get in the job because they're not that great of an executor of, of what they said they could do. Um, then you have the the uh, the opposite side of that where people get very nervous, very anxious in interviews, don't know how to answer questions. They, you know, uh, 
tend to forget their words or, or they just don't convey that confidence that a lot of hiring managers want to see, but they actually know what they're doing. Like they're great when they get in the role and they can really add a lot of value and impact, but they struggle because they can't get through the interview process. So I've, I've seen it go both ways. Right. I can remember I'm interviewing not too long ago, a couple of people for a position at, at a company I was with and um, one of the questions that got like two of them excluded immediately, they asked, well, so tell me, what do you know about our company? And they were like, well, I actually don't know anything. <laughs> I mean, wow. <laughs> it's like, oh, you know, like I was like, oh, I mean, you know, that it, it was over, you know, at that point. So, you know, take the time, like you said, invest that people are investing in you. You need to, you know, learn a little bit uh, about the company. Likewise, um, uh, how how do you think a candidate should approach a question um, like, tell me about yourself? As I think sometimes that's a, a good one that's often misinterpreted in terms of how people respond to it. Yeah, that is, that is a good one. And I think there is a, a lot of debate about how to answer that type of question. Um, but from my experience, the, the question isn't... Um, I don't really want to hear about anything necessarily personal. Uh, I don't like it's, it's not about what you actually, you know, your hobbies or, or where you're from and all that kind of good stuff. It's more so tell me about your your career experience as it relates to this role. Um, tell me about what you do currently in your role. What impact are you making? Um, usually we want to hear why are you interested in this position? Um, sort of like, how does that align with your career progression? Um, what stood out about this position? What stood out about the company? Um, and then there's also, you know, what value could you bring to this organization? Like why, again, like why are you a, a good fit for this role? That's typically what we're looking for when we actually tell me about yourself. Um, it's, it's, that's your opportunity, almost like your elevator pitch of, you know, this is my expertise in these areas. You know, I thrive at doing this. This is what I've accomplished. This is what I want to do next. This is why I'm a good fit. Like those, those are sort of the key components uh, that you, you should be thinking about when you're answering that question. Right. You know, uh, Nate, one thing I've seen too, uh, I did not realize, I mean, well, back in the day when, you know, I was, we didn't have all this uh, internet access where you could, you know, just Google anything and get it right away. Well, um, now there's no excuse, as you said before, you can go and um, search for videos on YouTube mm -hmm. that will run you through the interview process, the questions you're likely to get and give you information on the best way from your point of view to answer that question. So I think, um, you know, great points about that, looking at, you know, your your personal versus your <laughs> professional journey and kind of keeping it professional, not personal. Mm -hmm. We're going to take a quick break. Um, before we do, I want to give our listening audience our 800 number. If you have questions for Nate, um, you can call in at 888-627-6008. That number again, 888-627-6008. We'll take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll continue the conversation on how you should be thinking about navigating in this new job market post-COVID. We'll be back right after this.
A lot of things have come to a screeching halt due to COVID-19, but you should know that the court system in Tennessee is still open and holding in-person hearings for orders of protection and other types of abuse cases. If you have a hearing date, double-check on where your hearing will be held. If you need assistance on an order of protection or temporary restraining order, contact the Legal Aid Society at 1-800-238-1443 or visit our website at www.las.org. And welcome back. I'm your host, Dr. Celeste Stein. You're listening to The Celeste Stein Show, and we're here with Nate Wiley, who is telling us a little bit about the job market currently and giving us some very useful tips and information on how to navigate in terms of your resume and answering interview questions. Um, We're continuing on with um, talking about the interview process. I wanted to ask Nate, what is your view on companies conducting multiple rounds of interviews or panel interviews? Uh, Do you think this might uh, potentially deter candidates or weed out really good candidates, if you will? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think I will kick off the answer with, I like to make sure people understand you have to recognize who has leverage in a situation. Um, (laughs) If you are in a position where you're out of work or you are uh, aggressively looking for a new job, whether that's you need to increase your salary or some, um, you know, you don't like the way your current company is heading as far as direction, feel like layoffs may be coming in, you may end up being out of a job and you you really need to pivot to something differently that organization that you're trying to go to has the leverage. You're you're the one that's aggressively looking. And so um, you kind of have to control what you can. And if they have a very, um, we'll call it thorough, for lack of a better term, uh, interview process that takes you through many stages, you just have to to go along with it. Uh, one thing that you can do to to try to control your own anxiety, because I, I know it's a, it's a very nerve wracking process, just wondering like, when is this going to be over? When you're going to make a decision, definitely try to befriend your recruiter or whoever that point of contact is um, so that they can keep you aware of what the next steps may be. And then what a, um, what a, a more realistic timeline of be will be of when they may actually be making decisions uh, or when final interviews may take place. Um I am not a fan of a ton of interviews. Um, to your point, it it does deter some candidates that as a recruiter, I know would probably be an asset to the organization. But again, back to that leverage piece, if you have candidates and I, I've met them all the time, they know their value. They know they were their worth. They know they don't have to go through all that to get hired because they have a good network and they're highly sought after. Uh, they'll they'll withdraw. Like, okay, you all want me to do all this? You want me to do a take home assignment? You want me to meet with four or five different people? I don't have the time. I, you know, you all need me more than I need you. Like, that's essentially what they're saying, and <laughs> yeah. and that's the leverage piece, right? Like, if if you have a a valuable skill set, um, mm-hmm. and you know that you can stay employed, whether that's full time, contract, consulting, whatever it may be, those individuals aren't aren't as as stressed or or as worried about trying to find employment specifically if they have, you know, a bank account <laughs> full of money. It's like, okay, like I I know I can find work. It's right. it's those individuals who are uh you know a bit more in a in a situation where they they need that income quickly um before things get bad for them. And so they're the ones I usually see 
getting more frustrated about these long processes because they're mm-hmm. they're ready to wrap it up because they want to know like am I going to get this job am I going to get this job um another point I would say about that is you shouldn't stop interviewing until I, I like to I used to say until you sign the offer letter now I say until that first direct deposit hit um keep going keep I'm I'm, I'm being serious keep going really uh, oh, my yeah goodness. keep going because because you never know um I, I see a lot of people uh they'll they'll get in the interview process and they'll stop applying um they'll stop engaging with other recruiters they'll stop networking aggressively like and they'll say like I'm waiting to see how this turns out like I really think this is the one and you, you don't know how many candidates that that company may be speaking with or talking to and I've I've been on the side before there have been times we just paused the role or canceled the role or, you know, business needs change. Um, the hiring manager put in their resignation. So now we need to rethink this whole team. And so anything could happen. Like there are a lot of variables that you can't control. And so I don't like when um, I talk to job seekers and they, you know, are getting a little traction like, oh, I, you know, I got two interviews. I keep going. Like that, use that momentum. Um, I, I actually um, have a good friend who very uh, recently kept interviewing with the company after accepting a role and got a significant increase. Um, and it, it was, a you know, it, it was one of those things where you, you kind of have to make some adult decisions around like what's in your own best interest. And especially in today's market, a company is going to do what's in their own best interest. So I always tell job seekers, like, don't feel like just because you told a company, yes, I'll join you that now you're locked into this long-term contract. Cause if things change with that company, four or five, six months down the road, they'll let you go um, if it means you or them. And so you can, you're fine with making that same decision. And he did that. Like he was with an organization for maybe a couple of weeks. Then the other company offered him a job making significantly more. And he did what's in the best interest for his family. Um, I don't see anything wrong with that. Like it's, you know, (laughs) now don't get me wrong. He burned that bridge. Like I'm sure he can't go back to that company, but at the same (laughs) time, you got to keep pressing. And, and I think those are the type of, it's a business decision. I think I've seen companies do it all the time. Um, So I I think individuals should start thinking about themselves as a company, as an organization and and doing what's in their own best interest. Yeah. Unfortunately, people don't have probably someone like you in their life like they they need to to (laughs) bounce those ideas off. But would you advise employees um, to seek out a mentor or sponsor uh, within their organization? I would. I would. I had um, I had a like an official mentor at at one of my last positions, um, but I have like several mentors just in the industry who probably don't even know that's what I consider them as. But there there are people who are further along. There are people who are more successful. Um, they are folks who I really um, sort of respect their career progression and how they think and how they navigate. And they give me sound advice when I'm trying to figure out what, what uh, moves I should make in my own career. Um, there's, there's nothing wrong with, I'm not even gonna say asking for help, but there's nothing wrong with having someone who fits in a certain category in your life, whether that's uh professional or, or personal. Um, you know, there are individuals that I may talk to about, you know, what's going on in my personal life that I would never 
want to talk to them about professionally because, you know, I, I may be further along than them professionally, but they give sound advice about personal matters and vice versa. And so I, I do believe in in having those individuals around that you can bounce some ideas off of. Sometimes you just need to say something out loud to someone and just see how it lands uh, right. to, to, to check yourself. Like, am I crazy? You know, like, <laughs> and, and they use again, like, no, I, I see how you could think that. And then they may give you another perspective. Um, and, and the last point on that is oftentimes um, I feel like I'm very uh, stoic in a way. And so I like to call out when an individual is, is operating off emotion. Like, okay. Like you're just a little fired up because you don't like the way something was said to you. Like there, there's no need for you to jump ship right now, or there's no need for you to shake up your, your entire career, your whole life, just because the email had a little sass on it. Like that's, that's kind of just calm down, let it go. <laughs> like, yeah, and, go. <laughs> and so, right. And, and sometimes, and I feel like I've caught some people before they, they made a mistake. Cause um, another point on that, like, I don't, I don't feel individuals should create a lot of conflict or tension within the workplace with people who control your salary. Um, I, I think uh, a lot of folks just get uh, very prideful, have their their ego get in the way and, and kind of jump straight into that defense mode of, no, you're not going to talk to me like that. I'm like, okay, wait a minute, calm down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you you know you want more money at this organization like let's let's remember what the goal is of work it's not for you to you know win some sort of contest as far as like who has the most authority here because i guarantee you your supervisor is probably going to win that nine times out of ten um because they're talking in rooms that that you're not even in uh, they have access to individuals real decision makers in the organization that you don't even know and so um and they're going to create whatever narrative they want to. And I don't want you to get tagged as a problem or a troublemaker. And now you're wondering why you're not getting promoted, why you're getting passed over for um, certain opportunities within the organizations because, you know, you tried to butt heads with the wrong person. Yeah. And and now you, you know, you're, you're feeling the consequences of that. Yeah. You have to take a deep breath and let it go sometimes, right? Yeah. You know, it's not yeah. worth it. Because you know? you're not going to be that forever, but while you're there, like you, you want to make as much as possible. Um, but I, I see a lot of people just get in their their own way with that. Um, and it's because work is such a large part of our lives. Um, and I, I like to take a step back and, and put work in his own box. Like, this is how I make money so that I can have fun. Like, it's, I, I'm not in a position now. And it took me a while to get there. I used to get very emotional about work as well. Uh, then, I don't know, something just clicked one day. I was like, why am I so upset? Like, this is not my company. Like, <laughs> so, like, let me collect my paycheck and, you know, start to to build my own uh, life outside of work and and use the income to to do the things I want to do. Like, that's, that's what the relationship is. Right. That brings me to another question about, like, networking. How important do you think that is also during, uh, especially during a job search, because um, I, I'm not going to lie to you, Nate, I'm a terrible networker. I mean, really? I know a lot of people and so <laughs> forth, but I'm such a worker bee and mm -hmm. trying to do an excellent job at the jobs and things that I'm working on and doing that I don't have a, t a lot of time to like you know, do this networking piece, you know, so I have to really push myself to mm -hmm. get out there and meet people and network. Now, once I do, once my foot's in the door and I'm meeting people, it's all good. But um, 
I, I want to hear from you on how crucial is that networking piece? Because uh, I don't know. I, I don't know what, what grade I would give myself on that, but it probably wouldn't be very good. But anyway, <laughs> so, <laughs> um, how, how important do you think it is to network? It's it's very important, uh, Doctor Stein. Uh, especially, especially if, mm. especially if you are actively looking for a role. Um, again, going back to an earlier point of knowing someone who can help you skip the line. Um, there's a big difference between you are, you know, Jonathan Smith a person I don't know, never heard of. I, I see your application. Uh, you know, you got some good skill sets. Maybe, you know, I'll put you in the maybe pile. And then a friend of mine reaches out to me, say, hey, a good friend of mine from my last company, Jonathan Smith, applied to your role. Mind giving his resume a look? Oh, Jonathan Smith has a, a completely different outlook to me now. Like, okay, like I, I really trust this person. If they're vouching for Jonathan Smith, I want to interview Jonathan. Like I, I'm going to take his word for it. And now my life is easier. I have someone that, has vouched for someone. I feel comfortable passing this person on to the hiring manager um, based on on the uh, the referral of this individual, and so that that completely changed Jonathan Smith's position in my mind. Um, and so that's that's kind of how networking operates. And I think a lot of people really undervalue uh, familiarity uh, when it comes to networking. And if you if you think about in your life at any point in time where you meet a person, uh, could be a complete stranger, and in talking with them, you realize there's someone that you both know mutually. And it's like, oh, you know this person. Oh, yeah, me and the person used to work together. So now you two are immediately on a different level because you have a mutual contact. And so that's, again, like it, it completely changes in your mind who this person is because now you have more of a... um you you now attribute more more positive characteristics to this person because you have something in common. And so the more seeds you can plant out there, the more people who know your name, know your face, um, that's that's how you continue to to span, expand your network. And you get opportunities sometimes coming to you that you would have never found because now someone knows you, they know what you do. Uh, they know what you're trying to do. Um, I get hit up all the time. Just, just an introduction. Like I just recently uh, started my own company and someone's like, Hey, you two need to talk. This person is uh, doing the same type of work as you, but they've been doing it for two years. He or she may have some tips for you about how you can build your company a little bit faster. I would have never met this person if it wasn't for that network. And so yeah. I, I do think it's very valuable and it goes a lot further than just uh, kind of taking shots in the dark uh, when it comes to submitting your your resume that may or may not even get viewed. Yes, I'm looking. I see we have a couple of callers uh, waiting on the line. Um, I'm going to ask our studio folks, uh, can you admit uh, the questions in? Um, I see we have questions from a Jeremiah, Richard. Um, a couple of people here. Um, so, um, we, can we start with Jeremiah on line one? Hello. Hello, Jeremiah. Yes. Hi, yes. how are you? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Good. Doing well. Doing well. Enjoying doing great. Uh, conversation today learning a little bit how about you 
Oh man, like if I could answer all get all my answers quest uh my questions answered right now, I would love it, but I know y'all short on time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't have that much time. We have a few more minutes left. So what um what question would you like to ask Nate? Okay, well um I would say like my question when y'all were talking about like job offers, like receiving a job offer, like why you've already uh accepted accepted one. Uh, when Nate said, uh, well, when, Nate, when you said uh, making adult decisions, uh, that really resonated with me. Um, I, my question is, uh, with that being said, how do people like pivot to being like self business minded? Like being entrepreneurs, you know, I, I, you're, you're saying how does one kind of, you know, do what he did and kind of be able to navigate into the the uh, the business world on your own? Is that what you're saying? Well, no. Let me. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me clear up my question. So, uh, just like just just like businesses are like they're interviewing you and they're making a business decision on you know whether you um, qualify the position if you'll impact uh make an impact in the team so when you're also doing an interview and hey you get an offer uh you know not being scared to hey you know leave that offer on the table take a better one or like that example that nate gave his uh uh his colleague uh accepted an offer he got a better one and he took that one instead um you know making that adult decision like how would someone pivot to you know making those adult decisions in that situation I think I got you, Jeremiah. Um, it does. It takes time, and I think um, a, a synonym to making an adult decision is having confidence in yourself. Is is what I'm referring to. And so, what I see in a lot of individuals, myself included, let me be clear about that. I, I think sometimes when I talk, people think I'm talking at them. No, I mean I'm I'm right in there with you. Like I, I have like my own um, insecurities and 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 times I need to look in the mirror and have a little pep talk with myself about what I'm doing and and how I want to navigate. But it's it's taking ownership of your career and, and sort of being accountable for for yourself and and how you want to move forward in your career and in your life in general. I think um, for me, COVID was a, a big just eye opener about like how when when things get tough and it hits the fan, companies are going to save themselves. Um, they're they're going to do what they need to do. I'm not saying that they, uh, you know, want to be malicious and just lay people off and things like that, but they, they have to make um, business decisions. And so again, that business decision is is what I'm equating to making adult decisions for you and your family. So in in that case, my friend has a wife, he has a, a young child, and I think he wants to, you know, continue to grow his family. Um, you know, if he has an opportunity on the table and all he has to do is have a hard conversation with one company and say like, hey, really hate to do this to you, but I actually just received an offer from another company that I was also interviewing with. They've offered me this, which is significantly more. And honestly, that company has the opportunity to match it, but I don't feel like any one person can, they may get in their feelings and be upset because now they have to go back and, you know, hire again for that role. But how can you be mad at someone because they're being offered I don't know what the exact number was, but let's just say like 20, 30 K more like that's, that's significant. Like that's, that's life changing money. So why would I leave that on the table mm -hmm. just because I don't want to have a hard conversation. And so when I say making an adult 
decision. That's what I mean. Like, I'm not going to be scared to tell my current manager that I'm leaving. Um, I, you know, this is not my cousin. This is not a family member. This is a, <laughs> this is a company. And I'm going to let them know, like, this is what I'm doing. This is how I'm choosing to operate. And that's why I say you got to have that confidence and, and some courage about how to uh, how to move and how to navigate and how to be a little bit more strategic. But it's confidence that that builds over time, especially once you've understand um come to understand like what your value is in the market and what you can bring to an organization. All right. Well, thanks so much uh, for, for tuning in and uh, your question. It it was a great question. We, um, we have to now move on. I think uh, we, we don't have that much time left. I want to see if I can get at least one more question in. Um, It looks like there's uh, another question on line a, Uh, do we have another question? I don't know. Sometimes, you know. Uh, I apologize. This is Don from the studio. I thought I'd break (laughs) in just because a little confusion here, maybe. Um, Gosh, we did have a question from a lady named Janice from Michigan. Okay. And she wondered how this all relates to, oddly enough, spiritual manifestation. And I'm guessing she meant confidence. But I'll leave it at that. And they hung up. <laughs> um, I, I wanted them to stay, but they hung up. And um, and then I only had a question only because, gosh, Nate, what a great guest. You know, <laughs> confidence to me is about as powerful as gratitude. And when you when you understand the power of of, of both they're very synergistic and maybe it's manifesting but you have that magical energy to you and that you. magical energy really is confidence hmm. you nailed that on the on the nose so <laughs> i was just giving my two cents uh and and janice from michigan or question was about spiritual manifestation i was very that's why it led me to my question anyways um carry on dr stein i love you we all love you you're the bomb and nate you're just a fabulous guest great to have you i'll let you you go forgive me for my interruption That's okay. <laughs> Thank you. We we appreciate you um, and all that you do for sure. Um, wanted to ask this question. I guess um, from the way that question reads, I really wish you would call back in to uh, clarify that. But um, what I'm seeing here is it's like how the discussion correlates with spiritual manifestation. So I don't know if is there, um, I don't know when you're when you're, I, it, I almost want to say when you are job seeking, um, you know, how much does your spirituality and faith, you know, go hand in hand with, uh, you, you know, what you're doing in, in the job market or should you really try to separate the two? I've seen and heard many instances where the two coincide um, and maybe it, it, you know, it's kind of difficult, you know, when you look at like EEOC uh, guidelines and uh, the Civil Rights Act of like 1964 and trying to be, I guess, 
uh, open to people of all different, uh, you know, face and things like mm -hmm. that. You don't want to seem like you're going in just one direction. So I'm not sure if that's what she was trying to ask, but <laughs> I don't know what you, if you have any feedback on that. Yeah. And, um, I, 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 yeah, I wish she stayed on, um, just so I don't, I don't misinterpret what she was asking, but, um, as she was saying, how all this sort of uh, correlates with any sort of spiritual manifestation. Um, I am a big believer in manifestation, and that's something that's relatively new for me um, as well. But it's, it's, you know, I started listening to a lot of a lot of podcasts and reading some books about it. Um, and, you know, whether you believe in God or some other entity or just the universe, uh, I, I have seen... Just personally, I've I've seen some things change in my life when you move forward with um, just such uh, belief in yourself and and your capabilities. And no matter how bad things may look, I don't care if you submitted a hundred applications, two hundred applications. It don't, it only takes one, and now you're you know on top of the world. Um, and and we always see it right when that when that one great thing happens we're so thankful for the process that we went through um and we're so glad that that other opportunity didn't work out because now you see oh that company did layoffs um or that company is now being sued and or whatever the case may be um and there have been times in my life where i've i think people think i've never been rejected from roles just because i know how to you know navigate a job search uh yeah i've interviewed gotten to the the final interviews been told you did great we love you and and get you know, an email we decided to go with someone else and it hurts the stings um but i i definitely started to uh very quickly shake that off like within you know an hour easy like okay cool what what am i going to do now just stop and so I, I think when, um, for me, manifestation is, um, it requires a lot of patience. It requires a lot of confidence in yourself. Um, and what people don't understand about it is you just have to keep going and you have to put the work in. So when I think about manifestation is I need to meet the universe halfway. It's, it's coming my way, but I'm going to put the work in to make sure that I'm I'm not making sure it has to come all the way to my lap, if that makes sense. Like, I'm, I'm going to meet you on the road somewhere. And so as long as I'm putting in the hard work, I feel like it's it's on the way. That's good. That's really, really good. Um, I know we're almost out of time. I'm going to ask one other quick question. Say so you land that great role. Mm -hmm. How important is follow up to the recruiter, the hiring manager, and and the people that you know helped you get to that role that you were trying to manifest there. <laughs> How important mm -hmm. is your follow up? It's very important, and I, I believe in following up even if you don't get the role. Um, I yeah, like I, I think people should really again extract your emotions from a job search. Most of the time, this stuff is not personal. Um, again, I know we started off the conversation with discrimination. Um, there is discrimination out there, but still, like, you just never know. You just never know how things go before. Like, there, I've literally gotten a job after being rejected um, because I followed up with a um, with a proposal of how I feel like I could still be an asset. And it took about another three to four weeks, but they came back and said, hey, Nate, we actually worked some things out we want to bring you on board. Like, and so if I would have just let it sit 
if I, you know, if I didn't follow up, if I didn't thank them for their time, if I didn't express how much I still wanted to be a part of that organization, I don't think it would have worked out like that. Um, and it, it doesn't have to be, you know, paragraphs. You just you just follow up very nicely and politely and just tell them, thank you for your time. I really appreciate meeting everyone. Please keep me in mind for future opportunities. I got, that usually goes a long way versus, you know, not saying anything, um, especially I feel like when it's been a long interview process, people are like, I don't even owe them a response or something like that. Um, just it's it's a very small act that can pay big dividends and it, it only takes seconds um, right. just to say thank you. Right. And um, yeah, what do they say? It, it, it doesn't cost you anything to be kind. Also, one one other quick thing with that. Should you email it or handwritten note? <laughs> now I would say email. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if, if if you want <laughs> if you want to go above and beyond, and, and you uh you know how to um what is called a calligraphy. <laughs> if you if you want if you want to write it out, all that. yeah, and, and mail it in with some donuts. Go, by all means, go ahead. But I, I think an email would uh would land very well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, that is all the time we have. Nate, thank you so much for uh, coming and sharing a wealth of wisdom with us. You have been incredible, and I really do appreciate it. Um, I want to say that um, we will be back in two more weeks. Um, Please be sure to join us. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe to the channel. Thanks for watching.